Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and this is Things That Make You Go Mmm. This is your podcast to help you make the most of the wisdom and experience that comes with getting that little bit older. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Today is part two of my conversation with my co-host Ryan where we're talking all about gender roles and sex discrimination and all of those kind of things. You're not allowed emotional intimacy. You're not allowed to express emotions that aren't anger. That one is cataloged. That one has been categorized and studied. Men are not socially allowed to express any emotion other than anger. And so whenever they do express an emotion, it comes out as anger. If ladies, if you've ever listened to a man celebrating the fact that his football team has won and you're like, why is he so loud? It's because it's an angry response. That's the only way he's allowed to respond socially. He might not be aware of that. He will resist any attempts to change him because that's another masculine trait. I happily have been freed from those assumptions because of my particular life choice. Not only the way that I was raised, but theater has freed me even more. I get to decide who I want to be at any given time. Presenting as masculine allows me to take advantage of massive systematic privilege. Massive systematic privilege. If I wanted to be a politician, I reckon I could quite easily. <laughs> quite easily. My personal experience has allowed me to use that privilege without succumbing to the detriment of that gender. Because there are massive detriments to being a man. High suicide rates higher drug addiction problems, gambling addiction problems, lower rates of familial attachment. Like there are so many issues that men have because of the way that it's jinxed to be a man for an individual. Socially, we've got a great. Individually, men's lives, are, they're not filled. And so that's an issue as well, because the flip side is that women who have much richer emotional lives are not socially allowed to, to use them. <laughs> So it's no surprise to me under these assumptions that people want to be taken as a different gender. If you wake up in the morning and you think, I'm, you know what, I'm not a delicate wilting flower. If a single male author categorizes me as being that, so for instance, for women of color, black women, if another author says my skin is mocha colored, I'm going to punch someone. I would lose my goddamn mind after a single day in your shoes because no one dares talk to me like that. <laughs> there was a classic example this morning, wasn't there? I was on the yes, phone with Brian. I was filled with rage, guys. I was filled with rage. <laughs> I was on the phone to Ryan. <clears throat> Sorry. And I got pulled over for a random breath test. And the police, I did the blowing through the thing, and the police officer said to me, good girl. I'm 59. That's really nice, flattering, but and he did say it kind of tongue in cheek. But yes, also. He dare say that to a man. No, he wouldn't have even considered saying it to a guy. He's got his gender roles. They are in very much black and white or pink and blue. They are opposite ends of the spectrum. If you say good boy to a man, Regardless of your intentions, that's an insult. I know, and I do say it to you too sometimes. I do call you boys. Oh, look, I've said it to some of my friends when they're being infantile. <laughs> but I deal with children. 
on a regular basis. Like it's one of my jobs is dealing with small kids under the age of five. I don't say good girl or good boy to them because I think that's hugely patronizing. I used to use dude or guys to, yeah, to talk to, right. hey, listen, dude, or well done, mate. That's what I, but rarely said good girl or good boy or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, putting aside how problematic that is, I think a number of people that I've spoken to, generally men, have been like, there's no longer any uh, systematic sexism in the system. I've been involved in the Australian political system for years now, and I've never once seen any instance of anything untoward going on with any of the women that are involved in my office. And there's three women involved in my office. There's 57 men, but there's three women, and I have never once seen anything untoward happening to any of them. So we have effectively gotten rid of sexism. Handshakes all around, gentlemen, let's have a party. (laughs) And I say that in that voice because otherwise I get really angry. (laughs) This, by the way, for people who aren't in Australia, is exactly what our former Prime Minister said not six months ago. And I'll ask my wife what she thinks about it. Men, systematic sexism is still huge. You do not experience it, right? Ladies, either you are aware of systematic sexism because of things like, you know, that police officer this morning, or you have accepted how you were treated for so long that you assume that everyone's treated like that. They are not. (laughs) I have an incredible amount of privilege. Yeah, and to be fair, I've got to say this. I used to use that sexism to get my own way all the time when I worked on building sites. Gotta say that, I got my own way. But I was playing their system. I wasn't playing against it. I was playing with it and using it to my advantage. But it's also not acceptable. Do I want that for my daughters? No. No. And I certainly wouldn't accept it from you and Jamie. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. No, let's not go there. I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare. I try not to treat anyone like that. And the problem is, as a man, and as anyone, because you have these assumptions about how you're raised in society, because everyone acts in this particular way, you do have to constantly be like, hang on, was that, was I being sexist there? Was I controlling the conversation? Because I don't, the other day, I was in a rehearsal with other people, and I was there for the night, and one of them, one of the people in the cast said, so what is it that you do as a job? And he was talking to me and Joe. I answered the question um, at length. And then said, wait, but we're getting distracted. I'm here to do this and then finish the conversation. I only realized like three hours later that I had answered for both of us and then not allowed her to answer the question. You need to keep yourselves accountable. You yourself need to be accountable for this stuff because that response comes from no one ever having told me I'm not allowed to do that. I am allowed to do that socially. No one said anything. They all accepted that as the response. There was only one other man in the room. Everyone else was women. I don't think my response surprised any of them. They would have seen that a hundred times, a thousand times. But it's if you walk into a restaurant as a couple, they will talk to one person. And quite often it's the woman because she's organized it. But it's never to the two of you. It's only ever to one of you that they will direct the conversation and expect the answer. I've got an observation, and I don't know whether it's entirely appropriate. It's just a fun aside. 
everyone, because I have quite a few gay friends, queer, so lesbian or gay or whatever, and, and their partner presents as the same gender as them, because we're having this conversation, so I can use those terms now. And uh, they go out to a restaurant, and the server, the waiter or waitress or whatever, comes up to them and speaks to one of them. And we were having a conversation about it not too long ago, and they were like, but why do they always talk to them? Why do they talk to them? And I was like, it's because they have decided you're the dominant one and you're the submissive one. <laughs> They've decided that's your dynamic. And I think that's, that's actually a really good point because I remember when we first moved to Australia and we went out with a friend one night and we'd been out with them a few times by this time. But he said, you two, me and John as a couple, are really interesting because I cannot figure out who's the dominant one. It changes from minute to minute. He said, usually there's one dominant one in the relationship and you can tell, but you're fluid almost with it. It's interesting. And that everyone's relationships has have their own dynamics. In my relationship with Joe, I am generally, in unusual social circumstances, I'm the dominant one. I'll just be the one to talk. Makes things easier under a lot of circumstances. People don't question me as much. Jo looks alternative, everyone. She has brightly colored pixie cut hair. <laughs> that involves a lot of assumptions. For the most part, I'll do the talking. That does not mean that I don't run almost all of the decisions I have ever made through her, just to make sure that, because she's got the common sense in this relationship, everyone. I don't have very high wisdom. I'm not a very wise person. I will do things and then later realize my mistake. And I think that's an O'Connor thing. It's yeah. an O'Connor male thing. I don't know about oh, that. I don't know. No, look at me. It's an O'Connor thing. An O'Connor thing. We all have an inability to make good decisions. So all of the decisions that I make are run through Joe's common sense filter. Yeah, no, it's you don't think things through to the end. No. So while I am the socially dominant one, any decision that we have made together, you can generally assume was made or okayed by her. <laughs> and it's it's just there's social dynamics here when you get a man you assume he's the dominant because the masculine tendency is to be aggressive it is to be controlling to be all of those kinds of dominant qualities the feminine tendencies kindness and gentleness and, and nurturing they're submissive qualities <laughs> which is interesting because i've met mothers and I wouldn't call nurturing as a submissive quality. Not with no, I was just going to say that submissive, <laughs> no, just not dominating. Oh, that's it. No, that was what I was going to say. They're more community orientated. It's more about the community. Whereas men, it's me. Hello, over here. Yay, here. And that's the issue with thinking in boxes. If you've only got two boxes, something like nurturing is going to go in the submissive box. But guys, we've met mothers. We've all met mothers. We might have been mothers at some point. They are not submissive. They cannot be submissive. Okay, occasionally you'll get a submissive mother and they're generally not great. You have to be very in charge and aggressive in order to wrangle children. <laughs> because a four-year-old knows exactly what they want to do and they will not listen to advice. <laughs> Your dad's had a situation recently and for months I've been going, draw the line. Just draw the line in the sand now. I've raised four children. If you don't jump on this right now, they're going to turn into teenagers and that's all going to get really messy. <laughs> yep. 
And so something like nurturing, I wouldn't say it's an aggressive quality either. It's not a dominating. It's a protective um, quality. You're just protecting somebody from themselves. So already we need a third box because fathers, for the most part, especially if they're on their own, can be nurturing in a way that a mother can be nurturing. It is a quality that is required of a certain situation and it's not gendered. It's associated with the gender, but any gender can be nurturing. In order to be masculine, you need to be aggressive. In order to be feminine, you need to be retiring. But in order to be nurturing, you don't have to be masculine or feminine. Yeah. What about? <laughs> so let's get back to the whole gender thing. Where did we want to go with that conversation? Because how you've explained that is great. Why don't we go with a summary of, of what we covered so far and then keep kind of going into it so we went over cis and transsexual which are the two biological kind of differences that you've got you've got intersex as well which is a whole thing but then you've got genders you've got cisgender you've got transgender you've got gender neutral and you've got gender fluid all of those genders we have been talking about them as personal and social gender so one of them is just internal so for instance a person who wishes that they could dressed as a woman all the time, but is physically male. It has their personal gender is one thing, but their social gender is something else. So it's just about whether or not they are presenting that gender. That's another thing as well. We've been putting those two together, but just for the sake of correctness, we will separate those. And then we talked about, I think, why we're starting to see different genders as a society, as a culture. And it is partly because there's so many of us. It's partly because we're communicating to a massive extent. It's partly because we've been ingrained in a system for so long that has pushed certain traits on us if we present us as one thing and taken others away. And we wanna get away from that because there are differences between the sexes. There are, they have been recorded at length. We won't list them all here, but they are numerous. But we have far more similarities across the genders than we have differences. We are all, regardless of sex, people. Like all of us have the capacity to be fully emotive, to be retiring or to be aggressive. Or all of those things are just kind of choices. And in, in being trapped for so long in one of two binaries has taken its toll. Uh, the book I was reading about evolutionary biology argued for those kind of traits evolved because they helped us. Because being masculine and having aggression and being controlling and all that and being feminine and being retiring, they helped us in the long term to establish ourselves as a species. And it's true, they must have done. Women were having babies and men were out stabbing each other. Those were great traits to have. That is no longer the case. Our predominant predator is no longer a wolf or a bear or the winter. It's other people. And they don't kill us. They just hurt us mentally and emotionally, generally speaking. Okay. I say that, I will point out that a women's number one predator is men, <laughs> which is still an issue. One woman a week dies in domestic violence in Australia. Yep. And domestic too. It's always women. They know. Guys, I don't get how people would say that there's, we've solved, we've solved the gender sexism problem. We've solved it. There is no longer any sexism in this country or any country. 
We have evolved. We've moved past it. We're simpatico now. We're not simpatico. We're still killing each other. <laughs> and it's men, guys. It's men. Like, statistically, there are women who do it. Domestic violence against men does exist. But also, statistically speaking, it's men. <laughs> By a huge majority. Like, not By even enormous. It's 98%, 97%. It's a ridiculous I, amount. I read an article about how there are more abusers of children who are women. So single parents who abuse their children, the majority of those are women. I, they're like 53.6% single parents who abuse their children, which is fine. That's a fine statistic to use. It leaves out that I think more than nine-tenths of all single parents are women. I was just going to say that. Who's got the majority, what do you call it, with the kids? Who has the kids the majority of times? Always the woman. Always the women. I mean, even just analysing those facts, those numbers, 53.6 and 46.4, are roughly equal. So we can therefore assume that men are nine times more likely to abuse their own children. It's men, guys. It's men. I don't think that problem is biological. I think it might have a little bit of a biological state. We are naturally 15% larger. We have a higher aggression tolerance. We are statistically more likely to be either geniuses or idiots. There's less middle ground in men. That one's a fun one. Ooh, I didn't know that. I That's a fun that. one. Yeah. yeah. So the variance between like men's intelligence quotients is so much higher than women. Like men, like we don't have that kind of mean median kind of thing. Our statistical deviance, our standard deviation is huge compared to women. Absolutely huge. Women are mostly, almost entirely, like in the middle and they'll like get further out. Men vary hugely. Wow. So like, for instance, that one's a fun one as well. And we'll come back to that for another podcast, because that means that if that's true, then the men, male genius thing, men being more likely to be genius thing, hasn't necessarily been sexism across history. Statistically, we're more likely. But we're also more likely to be complete idiots. All the idiots who think that it's okay to put a firework up the bum and light it just to see what happens. And I saw that video, America. I saw that. <laughs> They're men. <laughs> There's men that do things like that. It's never a woman. Yeah. It's men. It's not all men, but it's a higher, it's more likely, statistically. Whereas women are more likely to fall in, in the middle. You do get the variation, but they're much more kind of uniform. It's very interesting. But anyway, so we have differences between the genders that have helped us in the past. That is no longer true. Not really. Not it, We now live in a society in which jobs don't fit or shouldn't favor gender. It's still an issue. We want to get further and further away from that. But we're still operating in a society that values the difference between sexes. Everywhere you look in advertising, in fashion, in television, everywhere, the difference is pushed. Here's a bra that makes your boobs bigger. Here's a shirt that makes you look more muscular. Here's so how, how many other things are there that sexualize differences between them? And because we're exposed to it constantly, how can we get away from basic assumptions about behavior when we're pushing those differences as much as is humanly possible? And from such a young age, the agender thing we were talking about, I didn't bring it up, but I will now. If you want an agendered person, you look at a bloody four-year-old. Gender doesn't mean anything. They have a biological, like there's statistically some behavioral differences there. There are. 
but they don't have a gender. <laughs> it doesn't make a scrap of difference to them because they're just kids. They're just people. They don't have a gender. They will develop one in time. Statistically, females are more likely to develop it earlier. But a lot of what we do to kids pushes that gender on them before it's even relevant, before it's relevant at all. I remember when you were at school, there was, you were in a class with the little boy's big sister and his mum was very alternative against gender roles and everything. And she, she said to me one day, she said, I don't know what it is with Alexander. He was about three, maybe four at the time. She said, He's never watched even Star Wars. He's never watched anything like that. I've never bought him any gender definitive toys. She said, but he picks up a packet of crayons and turns into Rando. He makes a gun with them. And I remember you not doing that because I would never buy you those kind of toys. So you just got you those connector pens and you made guns out of them. You pick up a stick and you start yeah. hitting each other with it. Look, there, there are differences. There are differences. <laughs> they are mainly hormonal differences. Uh, they like are they hormonal differences, yeah. It was like, Kira, I don't know whether you remember, she went through a phase when she was about three. She wanted to play soccer with you all because you were all a fair bit older than her, but she wanted to do it in high heels and a feather boa. Do you remember that? Kira loved that feather boa. She did. She loved those pink, sparkly high heels, too. She did. I remember the tutu. She wore the tutu for a really long time. I remember being a bit jealous of the feather boa, but I was never really jealous of the tutu or the shoes because they're so impractical. You can't do anything. You can't climb a tree in a tutu. I mean, you could, but you get caught all the time. Yeah, she she would. (laughs) You get caught on everything. Kids' toys. I worked at Big W for a few years while I was at university and a little bit afterwards. And one of the things that I learned is that the large companies will, as much as is possible, divide all of their merchandise into girls and boys. Mm. There is no like gender neutral kind of toys that you will get unless they're put out by specific companies because it makes them more money. If you've got two separate demographics, you can't share across the genders. If you've got a boy and a girl, you've got to buy the different toys, (laughs) which I think is disgusting, personally. Fills me with inarticular rage, as I said before. But that's a part of the problem. There's nothing wrong with a boy deciding to be a boy. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is there's no room for movement. A boy can't play with anything else. Like a ball is neither a masculine or a feminine toy. But you don't see a plain ball anymore, do you? You've got a ball with like Star Wars on it, or you've got a ball, a pink ball with a truck on it. That, that would not a truck. A Barbie. Barbie, there we go. <laughs> There's no in between. No. There is no in between. That's the issue here. I think that's the crux of the issue is that we've been saying that we want equality between the genders whilst pushing as much as is humanly possible a divide right from the very beginning. And the divide is based on your sex and the gender roles you are expected to adhere to as a result of that sex. Yep. And look, we could go in. To for ages why so many of these concepts are just plain false some of them are true again like there are hormonal differences but the pink thing for instance i've read a couple of articles about how the association with pink as being a feminine color comes from during the holocaust the nazi party rounded up all the gay men and they marked them 
with a pink hexagon, I believe. That was the mark. The Victorians considered pink to be a masculine color. Everyone's heard that. That's quite a common one, actually. I'm surprised you haven't heard that. I didn't know that, no. Pink was a very masculine color. But in the 1940s, the Nazi party rounded up all of the homosexuals and they marked them with little pink marks and they sent them to the death camps. As my mind is following that down the path, how did we end up with Barbie and all the rest of it where pink is considered fat? That's grotesque. Isn't it? The razors, women shaving body hair, in the 1910s, razor sales were down because there was becoming more of a trend for facial hair amongst men. So they were like, how can we sell more razors? And they, the large American companies decided that it would be a great idea to suggest that women be silky smooth all over. That also was a big thing. Who was it? Maybe Marie Antoinette, somebody like that? The aristocracy could always afford to do that kind of thing. Mm. But then they decided to market it to the... That was the, the, the idea that it was feminine as well, because there have been whole cultures. I think the Greeks in particular hated body hair. Mm. <laughs> they hated it. The Romans too. That's the thing, like, it's... The hairy people were uncivilized. The less hair you had, the more civilized you were. Oh, yeah. You just look at the people coming down from the north to go down towards the Mediterranean where it's warmer. So many of the concepts that divide the genders are based on completely arbitrary decisions. Like they're not based on actual physiological differences. They're based on nothing more than an outdated tradition. How much time do women waste shaving their legs in the shower? I've shaved my legs. It was okay. I wouldn't do it again. It was a lot of effort. And I had a lot of spots because I've got long leg hair, guys. I've got long, and I wore fishnets. And then all the little, you get the little, either the razor rash. It's not great. Guys, it's a lot of effort. Men never need to worry about that kind of thing. You might shave your backs, your back, you might wax occasionally. We all know that's not fun, but we want to achieve a certain level of beauty. Would I do it for purely practical purposes? No. My leg hair keeps me warm. It's great. You might be a swimmer or a cyclist. If I was a a swimmer or a cyclist, then again, I always thought if you care so much about swimming or cycling that you want to control your body to that extent, you're in the danger zone, I reckon. Like it's just getting to marginal differences here. But that's just me. I'm not a professional swimmer or a cyclist. I just, it's a lot of effort. (laughs) It's a lot of effort. But if you like it because you like the way it looks, great. Sure. If you like it because you like the way it looks because that's the only way you think you're going to be attractive, you've got an issue. So how did we, there's a real, we kind of meandered off into sex discrimination here. And yet at the same time, it's weirdly relevant. What is that connection there between sex discrimination and gender roles? Because there is a connection. I just can't see it right now. Uh, That's a good point. Officially, who knows? Hasn't been studied. And we probably won't have answers about this for quite a while. There's a lot of opinions out there. There are a lot of opinions. And all I can do is give you my opinion. And the opinion basically boils down to the fact that over the past 140 years, we have been trying to move towards a state in which everyone is equal. Not the same, but equal. Everyone has equal power. Women can vote. Women can own property. Women can work in masculine jobs we're trying to alleviate an entire half of the population that hasn't been allowed to function 
feminism was supposed to help us with that. The suffragettes helped us with that because they had a specific goal in mind and they achieved that goal. It took them a lot longer than they thought it would, but they did achieve it. And racism hasn't helped as well. I know that in, in America, Indian Americans were only allowed to vote in like the 70s and women were later than men in that context as well. Like this, there's issues built into the system. And so we thought that it would solve it, especially as we got more and more advanced. We were on the moon before we achieved any kind of real social justice. And I know that social justice is a term that people are like, oh, everything's always going to be unequal. So why should we bother about social justice? It's generally the people who are in charge who say that. So what I suggest is if you really if you don't care about social justice, then give up all of your rights and put women in charge. Because morally, that's going to be fairer than just keeping you guys in charge. They are just as qualified as men are. We're not entirely finished with it, but I think we covered the major points. Um, we have covered the major points. And I think there needs to be some processing time. Do you know what I mean? It does. Because it also comes into the sexuality. Yeah, it does. The spectrum. Sexuality does. was a lot easier when there were only two genders. Now we've got different genders. It's messed that up as well, which is why we're getting more and more of spectrum. So anyway, the reason that it's coming across is because feminism didn't do what we wanted it to do. We have not achieved any kind of semblance of equality between the sexes. And when I say equality, I, I don't mean that we're treated exactly the same. We have the same rights. We are treated as people. Because let's be honest, women, a lot of the time, are not treated like first-class citizens. You're a second-class citizen. Sorry about that. I say that flippantly, but I am genuinely very sorry about that. But because that didn't achieve what we wanted it to achieve, we need to have another go at it. The gender spectrum is a direct response to the concept of two distinct boxes that you can sort all of humanity into. If a man doesn't like the way that being a man is, they now have an option. And it does have to do with hormone levels. It does have to do with what they want to be physically. But a lot of it is behavior. A lot of it is about the assumptions that have become ingrained in a society that absolutely refuses to update its perspective towards people. Because that's the problem here. That's the problem with what happened with feminism. That's the problem with what happened with the voting and the racism issues, is that the cry isn't help people. The cry is these are the differences between the sexes. We're all people. We haven't decided that we want to treat people as people. We want to treat them as men and women. So the natural response to that is, if that's the way you're going to be about it, let's make more and more categories. There are more and more men, women, intersex. There are more and more masculine, feminine, age, gender neutral, gender fluid. Because the more we dilute that, the more individuality people have, the more you're going to be like, okay, it's not relevant anymore to say what your gender is. It's not relevant at all to say that you're a man, that you're a woman. Are you a person? Because as we have discussed over the course of feminism, gender does not necessarily mean that you're going to be a more functional human being. Not anymore, we're not hunter-gatherers. A woman's job is not just to raise kids. A man's job is not just to go hunting. We have a different society and we need to evolve for that world, the world in which the threats towards us are different. So are you saying then that this new rainbow spectrum of gender is a reaction to the fact that 
nothing's changed despite all of our try-in, that we're still in the two camps, you're either male or you're female. I think that's a big part of it. Again, it's got a lot of different, like the internet, the communication thing, the population thing, they are big parts of it. I think that society is reacting unconsciously yeah. to a world in which everything has changed. Abs- like we can communicate instantaneously to anyone, anywhere on the planet, and we can choose them at absolute random. <laughs> Something like Reddit can connect two people who've never even spoken, who've never shared any avenue of interest and they can reply to one another instantaneously across the planet. And in the face of that, we as a society have not changed. We have changed at all, but we are required more and more to be our own individual, separate from a community. It doesn't matter where we come from anymore. It, it doesn't, like you, once upon a time, you'd be like, oh, I'm a wool farmer from the West Country. That's where I grew up and I've been there all my life. That's Dave down the road, that's who you were. But now it doesn't matter where you're born because as soon as you have a phone, you are connected instantaneously to the rest of the world, everywhere on the world. And in order to function, you need to be an individual. And in order to be an individual, you need more words in a world of 7 billion people, 6 to 8 billion people than we currently have. Once upon a time when we were cavemen and women, we had 46 words and they meant bird, rock, water and then someone came along and said actually i've made a 47th word it's going to be a word that's just for me it's just my word whenever you talk about me you can use this word i was saying this the other day you can use this word to speak about me as a person that's going to be my word and you can use it if i'm not in the room you can use it when i'm dead you can use it to me it's just it's an all-round word that's just for me and the other caveman we're like, that's a stupid idea. We've got 46 words, that's so many. Why do you need your own word? Don't be ridiculous, you, you bloody snowflake. What's next? And that's how we got names. This is the next step in individuality, I think, personally. I don't think it requires that much for social change. Everyone's making out like it's a big thing. Um, and the arguments against it always say like things like, oh, I don't respect these snowflakes who identify as helicopters and all those kinds of things. It's not about that. That's not what it's about. I personally have never met anyone who identifies as a helicopter. I have met people who identify as gender fluid. It has affected next to nothing about how I interact with them. Next to nothing. Occasionally I'll use a pronoun, I'll say the he, and they'll be like, actually, I feel like a she. And I'm like, ooh, I feel like a she. And then I have a whole bunch of very fun questions about why they feel like a she today. Like I personally find it fascinating. I'm like, that's so cool. And then you put it to yourself. You're like, do I feel like a she today? Do I want to do these things? Do I feel this way? And then I'm like, no, I don't. But that's fun. It (laughs) would be fun, but it would also be very freeing in a way. I need to get a lot of things done today. I've got my male head on and I'm just, I'm going down that path and I'm doing this. That's it. Yeah. For some people, I can't speak for everyone. I can't. No. And I, I will be honest, I think that a fair number of the gender spectrum community might be a little bit insulted by the concept that you can just be like, I, I want to be aggressive today, so I'm going to choose to be man. Because it is a community. You will always get people who are conservative, as in they like their community and they don't want other people to be involved. And you can't be casual about this. You have to take it serious, that kind of stuff. But sometimes you wake up and you're like, you know what? I don't feel retiring and shy I want to stomp around I want to be loud I want to be angry and there's a word for that 
isn't there? I want to be a man. I am a man today. I am big and I am angry. I am loud. And I'm going to wear my man clothes. So everyone is aware I'm going to be these things today. Right? <laughs> I'm going to punch anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> Here's an example. And again, there's everyone, ha- because this is a question of individuality, mm. everyone has their own opinions. Everyone does have their own opinions. This is just a, a method of understanding. And, and I also need to say here that what we're talking about is we are still going into those gender roles to make the points that we're making. We're not saying <laughs> that's the true thing or anything. We are just using them to make a point. That's all. I would thoroughly recommend that having this knowledge is a great starting base. It's mm. a good starting base to understanding this issue. It is not by any stretch of the imagine, imagination, the entire topic. I would very much recommend either reading about it or going out to find someone. Drag bars are a great place to, to meet people who are on the gender spectrum. And they have, you have great conversations with them. Yeah. They're so fascinating to talk to because I think the main difference is for me, I've never questioned those things. I've always woken up and said, okay, I'm male. I can check, I'm good, I'm male. So I am going to be aggressive. I'm going to be strong. <laughs> it's already decided for me and it works. I've never woken up and been like, I want to be more retiring. And the way to do that is to be a woman. I've never woken up and felt uncomfortable with the fact that I'm a man. Not really. That might have to do with the fact that I've got a pretty good life. It might have to do with hormonal stuff. It might have to do with half a dozen other things. But you can see how it is an avenue to personal freedom. That's what this is about. It's about freedom. And I think that's... Self-expression, I think, is a... Yeah, it's another step of the name, basically. The pronouns are a shortcut. But what we've got is a new dimension of individuality here that we can explore. And the internet has allowed us to do that. If you put down on your thing, I am, my, my name is it's Ryan O'Connor. I'm a cisgendered white man. It tells you everything you need to know about my gender stuff. You know? And yet at the same time you're talking about individuality, how it's landing for me is that we've got male and female and we're actually coming together. So there's also a other community it's actually creating a society as opposed to two separate entities one of which has the power and the other is fighting to get the power it's going from becoming separate to becoming one that's how it's landing for me as you were talking whereas you're actually saying it's the other way around it's us becoming individuals it doesn't land for me like that no interestingly it's leveling it's, I'd say leveling the playing field, but you're right. It's about treating people as people. Yeah. And the stuff about gender and sexuality and all those kinds of things as an optional extra that people may or may not want to know. Yeah. The point of it is to say we're all people. Yeah. Whether you're masculine or feminine isn't relevant, not really, to how you treat a person. It might be relevant to what they as an individual are capable of. But in order to be an individual, everyone needs to start from the same basis. Yeah. That's how we. So you see, the word, the, the individuality thing has got negative connotations for me after how it's been used during COVID and through all the QAnon things and all that kind of thing. So it's less about individuality. And it's act, for me, it actually lands as though there's more acceptance and it allows us a freedom to 
achieve and to actually be who we are yeah. within yeah. and connect with other people from a space where we're going to make the most contribution. I know a word that will help. Instead of individual, it's personal. Instead mm. of it's something that you can make, that's your own. It's not relevant for everyone else. This is you. And the more we can change things up to make you the youest that you have ever used, then we're on a bit of a tangent there. But that was you know, great. Point, be the youest you've ever used. And that's great. <laughs> it's not about, I see what you mean. Individuality is about making everyone different from everyone else. That's not necessarily the point of this. The point is to achieve the youest you. Yes. And trying to stick with those boxes tries to make everyone else the themest them that mm. they I don't think my, the words are wording the way I want them to word, but I think the point is there. <laughs> I think I've worded enough now. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I've done the do as much as I could have done at this point. We can come back to this topic. I'd be very. We need to because I do want to go into this in a bit more depth because there's still an awful lot to talk about, including the sex discrimination from that kind yes. of angle too, because the fact of appearing as a they them is really appealing when you get so much gendered sex discrimination it's appealing right because that takes all the power out of it but also I do want to having just spoken then about the whole individuality thing and why the cult or the thing of individuality for me doesn't work you can be an individual or your own person but you also being as part of a society and you need to acknowledge and contribute to that. And that's yeah. a more political issue, but it's also a moral issue that we need to explore here because... About I think, community versus individualism. Yeah. Yes, but I think I need to shut up now because we've spoken far too we long. We have talked a lot. This is the double episode special, everyone, he says, at the end. So now you know that. <laughs> I'd be very interested if you guys have people who listen, if you have comments, if you have questions, I will be so interested to to help answer them. And um, also whether, because we communicate in a particular way, because obviously we've got several decades of talking to each other, but we might have skipped over something because of our familiarity with each other. So just because yes. I understand it doesn't mean that everybody else does because I know where Ryan's coming from in his explanations and vice versa. Yeah. So the point about this was to explain something that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. If you do have further questions, if we've skipped over something, if we haven't worded the words. In the, in word the worded way. We, I'm so happy to, to discuss this. We've gone over the sexes, we've gone over the genders, we've gone over personal gender and social gender, we've gone over why we think it's happened. And there's a lot, there's so much there. And there's still so much to talk about because how that interacts with sexuality, how it interacts with social norms. There's so much more to discuss. And it's just the very tip of the iceberg. And I, for one, think that's fantastic. (laughs) And we haven't even got into the morals because it's of no interest to either of us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no it's not the important part guys this is fascinating we are on the forefront of a cultural revolution that's going to change what humanity means and i find that amazing that's so cool so yeah anyway we're going to shut up now we have worded the words we have indeed if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends please 
Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some great ideas that can make a difference in your everyday life. Until next time.